Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone. And the zone sports network. Donovan says, Don't bring me a pick, I'll go to work. Ten on the clock. He works at the NBA logo. Donovan crosses over, rises, fires, hits! 3.4 seconds left. Donovan Mitchell has done it again. Oh, you are marvelous. Donovan Mitchell is having a five-minute stretch that puts him in the elite of the NBA. 15 points in the last five minutes for Donovan Mitchell. Five on the clock. Donovan through the legs. Rise. Fire. Three. Sweet. Revenge. Donovan Mitchell, you are something else. 46 for the kid. Don't talk to me, says Donovan. Don't talk to me. Donovan squirts to the lane and finishes at the rim. Donovan Mitchell with 45. Michael Jordan 63. Elgin Baylor 61. Donovan Mitchell 57 are the three highest scoring playoff games in NBA history. All right, Gordo. Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz agree to a five-year, well, actually more accurately, four-year with a player option for a fifth-year $163 million extension that could be worth up to $195 million if Donovan makes an All-NBA team, as uh, he would then be eligible to make more money. Uh, But basically, Gordon, this was the most the Jazz could possibly pay Donovan Mitchell. And we talked a lot about this. That is exactly what they should have done, and, uh, and they did it. Well, if you're going to play ball, you got to play ball. you got to pay pay the players, right? And uh, Donovan Mitchell is the cornerstone of the franchise, and so, yeah, you pay him. Now, I don't know whether fans have reached a point of being numb to these numbers because that's a whole lot of money, and it, it, it it's just crazy money when you think about it. But I guess fans shouldn't be asked to think about it because I uh, don't want it to ruin their fun. The Jazz retained their 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 cornerstone, and uh, yeah, so uh, Donovan Mitchell will be with the Jazz through the uh, the prime of his career. So there there it is. I think fans, if if you want to start here, I, I think fans should be numb to the number. Don't hate the player, hate the game. And if you if you look at it, Donovan Mitchell is one of the very best in the world at what he does. Yep. You know, why would we why would we uh, resent somebody who uh, makes a living as being one of the best at what they do? I mean, plus, you know, that money's going somewhere. It's going into the owner's pocket or it's going into Donovan's pocket. No, but I, mean, I think the, some the fans, NBA I, is generating that kind yeah. of revenue. So I, 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 I think some fans uh, sort of uh, it, it, it hurts them when when tickets uh, cost them what, what they cost them. And the Jazz are more reasonable than a lot of franchises, let's say it the way it is. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's how they interpret it through their prism, and that's a difficult thing for some of them. But the Jazz have to pay this guy. They have to pay him the max amount, and that's exactly what they did. That's the responsible thing to do. If you want to win, you got to do it. And and I think most Jazz fans, they, they want to cheer for a team that wins. They want to cheer for a team that's at the top. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not willing to compete. And that's just the facts of life. What I thought was the most important thing about that, Gordon, is he did the four-year with the fifth-year player option. He did not yeah. go for the he he did not go for the short-term contract to uh, become a free agent faster. He went with four-year with fifth option, which I think is a good sign about his 
um, I guess, opinion about his future with, with the team. And I've told you this, Gordon, you hope these players are, are, uh, are greedy. Because that's actually where the small small market teams have their advantage. You know, you can pay more to retain your players. So um, in this case, you know, getting back to the point, I think the Jazz gladly paid this to Donovan Mitchell. I, I'm sure uh, everybody involved had a smile, a smile on their face when these terms were reached. Yes, that's uh, that's what I think the the majority reaction was to it, and we don't even know how good Donovan Mitchell can yet become. I mean, when we saw the way he played in the bubble, it was like, what? That was like, oh, you heard Locke on the call there. It was like he was in a different place. He was playing at such a level that cannot be expected. But holy cow, if he if he's anywhere near that, then the Jazz, uh, just, the jazz will be pleased as can be. And if, if the Jazz are pleased, I might fans will be pleased and so now we'll see if it's reflected in the win-loss columns right and and you hope donovan continues to take those steps and continues to get better i i don't know what was real and what wasn't real about the bubble that was just such a wild thing but you you hope that the improvement and uh which he has demonstrated throughout his career you know donovan has never really had a well he's taken a step back kind of moment i mean he's he's just gotten better and better and better and if that continues, then he'll be a bargain uh, by the well, end think, of that deal. Th- think about what he represents. He represents what, what the Jazz love to see in players. He's got strong character. He's uh, he, he wants to work hard to improve. He's driven to improve. And uh, and he's really talented. So, I mean, I, I think that covers it, doesn't it? It certainly does. So. Now, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. I'm done. No, no. Uh, now, all eyes turn to number 27 and what happens uh, with Rudy Gobert and what kind of deal is reached or not reached uh, with uh, the other cornerstone for this franchise. Um, We can get more into Derek favors a little bit later on in the show, Gordon, uh, because I, I, I've thought about it a little bit more and I've got to, I've adjusted my take a little bit and we can, we can get into that. But my question to you is, you're not saying you, you agree with me now. Um, on some things I do. Uh, on a on a couple of things I've 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 thought right. about. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really agree with Austin on one specific point uh, that he made last uh, last Friday. But uh, we can get to that. But the question I have for you is: Is Derek Favors' insurance slash leverage in the in the negotiation with Rudy Gobert? Uh, the thought did cross my mind. I, I don't think that's why they acquired him, uh, but I think that uh, certainly, uh, you know, Dennis Lindsay's pretty smart. Justin Zanuck, they know the biz, and they know the realities of the biz. And uh, so, yeah, I think that accomplishes a couple of things, but I don't think it was the primary thought in bringing him back. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, primary. I mean, we can, we can kind of split hairs a little bit and yeah, you're, you're, there's, there's probably some correct there, but I mean, if you want to call it a byproduct or a motivation, either way, it kind of works out the same, right? Well, I so, would assume that the jazz know what, what the stance is of Rudy and his people. I mean, they have to have some indication of how this is going to go. If I'm the jazz, I pay Rudy Gobert more than anyone else can pay him. But I don't go super max because you just can't. You just can't. And if Rudy is going to demand that super max, then then I think he's being unreasonable. That's my opinion. Because well, Rudy can. 
Sorry, Rudy can can uh, not demand the supermax and still be far apart with the Jazz on salary. Yeah, I understand. But I, I, so is what, what I was getting at is the Jazz should pay him, in my opinion, should pay him more than anybody else can, but just keep it keep it within reason because I'm not sure that anybody is worth the supermax. I mean, maybe LeBron. Uh, but, but when you look at the teams who have gone to the Supermax, it hasn't worked out very well for them, and there's less than a handful, right? And and Rudy doesn't quite fit into the category where I would go in order to feel good about paying that kind of money. Uh, but but I would I do think he's extremely valuable to what the Jazz are trying to do, and I would I would work with his people, and I'm sure that's what the the guys are doing. Uh, but Supermax, uh, Jake, I just can't go there. I can't do it. So what if their numbers are far enough apart that they don't reach um, uh, an agreement? By and, and Ben Anderson actually was on Enhanced Scotty earlier today, and he talked a little bit about this. We don't really know what the date is going to be uh, to on these extensions. Like usually it's at the – I think Ben was saying at the end of October, and that sounds about right to me. I don't know what that's going to be this year, what date they have to figure it out by. But let's say they don't figure out an extension by that date, Gordon, and Rudy goes into this year being the final year he's going to be under contract. Do you roll the dice like they did with Gordon Hayward? Uh, well, it it, <laughs> it depends. I mean, if the demand, if the message coming back is, hey, I want all of it, then then I wait from the Jazz. I don't think that bodes well, but – that that's that's what I would do, but I would try and work something out, and, and and really the Jazz have no control over what Rudy and his people are thinking, but uh, I if they are quote unquote generous with their offer, then Rudy should respect that in my opinion. I don't know what he thinks personally. I don't know what his motivations are. He said he feels like winning a championship where he is and not going somewhere else to win the championship. Uh, and if the Jazz are willing to pay him more than he can get anywhere else, then what he has said previously seems like it fits into the category of, okay, were you telling the truth or are you lying? If you weren't lying, then if the Jazz are paying you more than anybody else can pay you, then resign, you know, and, and so, win that championship that you talked about, uh, saying that you didn't feel – like it was necessary to go anywhere else to get your championship. No, he said, in fact, he said, I want to build it, uh, be a part of building it. And so that would indicate that he could do that here. So you're saying you would roll the dice then and, and go to the, play the year out and go into free agency? Un- unless, no, well, I would try and get see if I could reach reasonable ground but if you get, can't, that's that's what I'm saying. If they can't, if they don't get there by that date, and that doesn't happen for whatever reason, you roll the dice and go to free agency. I'm not sure that Rudy Gobert is worth 35 percent of the roster. No, today. I know, but yeah. uh, but uh, and I don't well, think what, the Jazz what, what, do either. But okay, I'm just saying, so what, if they're far apart, and let's say Rudy bent a little bit, but it wasn't enough for the Jazz, and they're still far far apart on their number by the time the date comes where they can't negotiate anymore. That was my question. Are the, do you roll the dice like you did with Gordon Hayward and and play out the year and hope that you can resign him, or do you move him? 
Well, yeah, my, my answer to the question is, depending upon how unreasonable he is, if he is completely unreasonable and I'm not approaching, I cannot feel responsible in approaching that number that, that he is designating, then, yeah, I roll the dice. Okay. All right. I, do I don't do? think I, I don't think I would. No, I think I'd move. You, you go ahead and pay the whole amount. I don't. It, no, no, no. I, I'd move them. That's what I'm saying. If oh, I, oh, if okay. the Jazz and Jazz and Rudy can't come to terms on a number before the deadline, I'm not rolling the dice in the off season. Oh, so what do you do? Move. I, I get gonna, on the you're horn. Gonna, you're going to get on and get, get this guy traded. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I that understand. seems to me like like. Uh, better than going for nothing, like what happened yeah. with Gordon Hayward. I mean, yes, I they, they the Jazz got very fortunate that they drafted Donovan Mitchell that year, and he ended up being the perfect player for the role that they had available. And that mm-hmm. season was unreal. I will never forget it. It was like something out of a movie. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. it was such an incredible comeback by that team. It was it was one of my favorite seasons covering the Utah Jazz. The Jazz got and, very fortunate because they lost an All Star for nothing. Right. And the year before was a pain in everyone's butt because nobody knew what, what was Gordon Hayward going to do. Right, right. And yeah. it, it didn't work out well. And so I don't know if I I would risk had that happening again. And I would I would get on the horn with somebody who's over the cap and has uh, thinks they have a chance at, uh, at winning a title. And I'd say, how would you like the best center in the league? Uh, yeah, I, I might have even already have done it. You know, and maybe they have. We don't know. I mean, they're really yeah. tight-lipped about that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that either. Uh, but I, I would expect to hear something more positive in this regard coming up uh, uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, all right, because we'll I think because I think it is a priority for the Jazz to reach a good number. But what's good on one side is is it good on the other? I that we don't right. know. We don't know. Nope. All right, but, uh, but I misunderstood we, what you were saying. I agree with your strategy completely. I think that's okay. the smart way to go about it. Well, see, that's why we communicate, Gordon. That's why we're good together, buddy. We can talk to each other. I like it. What we have here is a failure <laughs> to communicate. Is that still your your Twitter yeah, thing? It is. is. It? <laughs> yeah. All right, we've uh, been waiting for it for months, literally four months, but we finally got the debut of the University of 2020 University of Utah football team and it didn't go well. They lost to USC 33 to 17. Uh it feels like there're about a zillion directions we can go with this Gordon, but uh, let me get your initial reaction to what we saw on Saturday uh Saturday night. Yeah, uh I think that you and I had been talking about the question of whether how much of a disadvantage it was for the Utes not to have played before that game. And I don't want to lean on that as some sort of excuse, but I think it, it is mattered. a partial it is a partial <laughs> explanation. There, there, there's no doubt. The Utes, especially on offense, were not gathered properly and uh, could not uh, achieve what they what they wanted to. Uh, and, and I think that, that like you said, that was that was evident. And I think it was evident on both sides of the ball, even more on the offensive side than the defensive side. And I didn't know whether that would be the case or not, but it was. Uh, the Trojans looked like they were a step ahead of the Utes all night long. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Utah did not did not play well, uh, uh, really, on either side of the ball. But certainly I, I would agree with you that uh, I think the criticism is, is more for the offense. They just it really struggled, struggled to get it going. Um, 
you know, uh, Cam Rising ends up being the starter, but then has to leave, and yeah. Jake Bentley uh, comes in, and and boy, it was he he had an un- unimpressive game to me, Gordon. Uh, maybe there's a reason he was leaving South Carolina uh, because he did not he did not look terrific. And maybe well, there's he was a reason eight, that he, he got was, beat was he, uh, he was sixteen and twenty eight, one hundred and seventy one yards. And uh, made some mistakes along the way. And, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it was not a great showing for either one of the quarterbacks. No. And, and he, maybe he didn't play well. Like, there was a lot of new for him. So, you know, I, I'm not here to cast judgment. But there were some throws. It, it, it wasn't just mistakes, Gordon. There were some throws that you looked at and went, oh, man. Like, yeah. what's what's that <laughs> you can't make that throw okay so do you think uh, that that is that is that an indication of the kind of quarterback jake bentley is or is it know. an indication of a rusty guy who hadn't played for a long time and in, in live action and against uh, usc it was, you know against was, a team like that yeah it was discombobulated it was a, a disconnect so uh, i guess my point is i think that had the utes had a little experience under their uh, under their belt uh, if they'd played a time or two they would have shown better but I still think SC looked like the more talented bunch Utah is young man this team is young and I know it's coming from the university it's coming from the program it's coming from others who want to use that as an excuse and maybe you can and maybe you can't but the fact is right now they are not gathered enough, they're not experienced enough, and, and they're not mature enough right now to, to play at the level that a lot of us have become accustomed to in watching Utah football. You know, they are young, uh, and sometimes I get irritated when, when people say, well, that's just an excuse. No, it's a thing, uh, and young players aren't as good as older players. I mean, that doesn't seem like much of a stretch to me. But here here are some, some positives, Gordon, to take from the game. Okay. Ty Jordan looks like a, a really explosive player and could be a really nice change of pace type back to Jordan Wilmer, Wilmore and, and Devin Brumfield. So I, I thought that was certainly a positive. And then on defense, I mean, look no further than Nephi Sewell. What a stud. Yeah, what a game. Yeah, he played well. He, pl- mm-hmm. he, he was incredible out there. I thought I thought Clark Phillips uh, looked pretty good for the most nine, part. Nine tackles for him in, in his uh, first college start. Right. Uh, Devin Lloyd, I mean, we knew he was going to be a stud. I, I think, that, you know, that's a thing. I thought the defensive line played played pretty well. Um, I, I, they, they were definitely more effective, Gordon, when they dropped eight, as opposed to when they, uh, when they were aggressive, I thought there was a crucial third down, I think USC's first touchdown, I want to say in the second quarter, uh, where, uh, where Utah blitzed on that third down and they got the touchdown. So, I mean, I think that we said this going in Gordon, and I, I still believe this to, despite, you know, giving up 33 points to USC. I, I'm not worried about the defense. I'm not Kyle Whittingham yeah. and that, that crew, They've got more than enough credibility that they can make a you know a young defense pretty ta- you know pretty functional on the football field. It, yeah, the offense up, was the the hard one to watch. They gave up 357 yards in that game, 93 on the ground, and uh, that I agree with you. I, I thought that was a decent showing for a defense that was replacing nine starters. So yeah, I mean that was okay. The offense though, and the turnovers, Jake, five turnovers in that game. Yeah, how many yeah. games are you going to win where you turn the ball over five times? Not many, you know, one in a hundred. How many times did BYU uh, turn it over and nearly beat Utah? Uh, one year, what? Uh, I think that was the Taysom Hill year, right? One of the Taysom Hill years. Didn't they turn it over? Was it five or six? 
Uh, I'm not sure. I do remember the uh, that that the bowl game down in Vegas where they turned the ball over early. Remember they? Oh, that was early. Oh, you know what? It was Utah who turned the ball over a bunch. I think against BYU, but still won. Maybe that was. Well, well, I was just thinking about when Utah went up on them by like four or five touchdowns. Yeah, and that then was BYU in Vegas. Came back. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, you know. I'm not going to sit here and say that the the defense played really well, lights out against the USC Trojans, but it wasn't it it was not that bad, and some of the young players uh, looked pretty promising. Yeah, so I agree I, with you I, on that. I don't uh, think the, fans should be freaking out about the defense by any means. One one area though that uh, that and I'm not sure how many of the guys were starters and how many because I didn't go back and look up all the names on the jerseys. It, I mean. It, 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 Put the names of the players on the freaking jerseys, will you? So we know who's doing what out there. I don't like. I don't. I didn't like that, especially for a team that was starting out with so many new players, and they had all you know. They had unity and peace and love and all that stuff on the jerseys. Nice, nice messages, but I want the names of the players on there so we can tell who's who a little more easily. But the offensive line, I mean, that was supposed to be an area where where the youths yeah. were a little more put together, and I'm not sure that's the way it looked, not to my eye anyway. I didn't think they played well at all. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and I didn't catch Hans talking about the offensive line. Usually he's a little more hesitant to say that uh, they didn't play well, but it didn't. It, regardless of who was back there, it didn't seem like it was going well for the O-line. USC seemed like they were pressuring the quarterback uh, the whole night. But maybe, you know what, maybe Bentley was holding on to the ball too much. That's uh, Sometimes quarterbacks are, are guilty of that, but it, it seemed like USC was doing what it wanted up front to me. Well, it looked to me like they were bracketing Brant Keithy, and uh, obviously he's a stud who you would expect to get. <laughs> I don't know, maybe my expectations are a little high, but I thought Keith, he would average about seven, eight, nine catches a game this year. And uh, SC was all over him. And so that was difficult for the Utes. He only had uh, four catches for 23 yards in that game. Uh, and, and the other receivers, Jake, you brought this up quite a bit. You've, you've said that the receivers, you always wonder about those that receiving core. And uh, there, I didn't see any big plays being made, you know. That and, and you can blame the receivers or you can blame the quarterback on that, it, it, whatever you want to do. But the, those were problem areas. This offense did not look good at all, and I think they're probably capable of, of putting it together and being better than they were. But it was, uh, as you said, it was not an impressive showing by the entire offensive unit. You know, I'm, I'm going with the incomplete on the receivers. I, I get annoyed with every fall camp. It's, uh, you know, all of a sudden Utah found the next Jerry Rice. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, that kind of never happens. So I, I'm still in incomplete mode with the receivers because what I saw out of the quarterback position was bad enough that you're like, well. You know, I have no doubt that Dax Milne at BYU has, has gotten a lot better and put in a lot of effort, but it helps a lot that Zach Wilson's back there dealing. You know, uh-huh. so I'm I'm going I, I'm going to hold off on my uh, criticism of the wide receivers for a week because I just don't you know I just mm-hmm. don't know what we saw the the protection wasn't good the quarterback play wasn't good and you know what maybe the receivers weren't open because that's certainly been a problem in the past but yeah and I agree with you and you mentioned the running backs the the, the running game really needs to be better but. In order to have those guys be successful, the offensive line has to create space for them. 
and I, I think that needs to improve in a major way for uh, for a Kyle Whittingham offense. Uh, by the way, Ute fan man reminds me, Utah turned it over six times to BYU's three and still won. That was did, uh, did Utah turn the ball uh, when they when they won? When they won, Utah still won. That's what it was. Yeah. I think. Okay. I think that was the Taysom Hill uh, failed uh, two-point two point conversion. conversion year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. We'll have uh, more big show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.